correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here with my friend Steve. Hello, Steve. And we're going to talk some RPGs. But before that, we're going to talk about court games. Yes, the Court Games, well, Court Games is a, uh, actually a family of podcasts here on the D20 Radio Network. Actually consists of three separate podcasts, one being, well, it's called Court Games, which is about the Legends of the Five, well, all about Legend of the Five Rings gaming. Uh, they talk about the RPG, some about the card game, lore, etc. Then bits of the same crew are also involved in an actual play called Fortune and Strife, and they have a second actual play called Crimson Gold Agonies. And for the life of me, I can't remember which one is which, but I know one is done much more as an audio drama, and the other is done with a lot of the dice rolls and table talk, et cetera, left, left in more as a game demo. So, like I said, there'll be links to all this down in the show notes if you want to check it out. They're all you know, based around Legend of the Five Rings, Court Games, Fortune and Strife, and Crimson Gold Agonies. They're cool. Check them out. Also, just you know, check out d20radio.com. There's a blog, there's links to us, a whole bunch of other cool podcasts, you know, the court games people and everything else. So Yeah, lots of cool stuff happening over there. Well, we have a guest on this week, so why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest back onto the podcast? <laughs> yes, it, it, it is a returning guest. We are bringing back someone you've heard before. He was previously on to talk about the Pittsburgh Gaming Expo with us the first time we talked with them. But this week, we've brought him back to talk about what it's like to run a game store, because he does that. So uh, welcome to the show, Alex. Happy to be here. Good to, uh, good to talk to you guys again. It's, uh, it's nice to be back. Uh, I've had a chance to listen to some of the show I've, uh, since my initial appearance, and uh, you guys are awesome, so I'm really glad to be here. Well, I enjoy just coming up and hanging out at your shop for hours on Friday nights and keeping you from getting anything done, or Saturday nights, I, whichever. I would fail to do work on my own anyway, so it works out perfectly. <laughs> but yeah, I thought, you know, we talk with a lot of creators, a lot of designers, and I felt like, you know, it might be a, a neat thing to get a take. And you and I have had some, you know, conversations just between us about a little more of the store owner side of things, you know, just, you know, what it's like to navigate, you know, when you've got big players and little independent developers and everything in between in such a niche industry. And, and to be fair, your shop is probably not what most people think of when they think of a traditional, friendly local game store. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. Actually, that is, uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head. That's almost a guiding ethos that I've, I've had since I started it was it would be very easy to do the part and parcel thing, right? Like you could always do what everyone else does when it comes to the local game stores. We actually started as a video game store. And so that's still kind of our bread and butter business. But we are in an area that craves tabletop of all kinds. Uh, so we started bringing that in, and I'm a, I'm a lifelong tabletop player, uh, so that felt like a natural extension for what I wanted to do in the first place. Uh, but you're right, it's very different. We have a, a much smaller play space, although we try to keep a private area for tabletop specifically, uh, as well as just gaming is the ethos, not just any specific type. 
mm-hmm. uh, which is always, you know, what I wanted to set out to do was, was create a place where kind of, it, it celebrates all gaming. I was going to say, you have a lot of, I'm just going to call it nerdy culture stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, like you said, video games, specifically a lot of retro stuff, a lot of toys, collectibles, uh, some board game stuff, tabletop stuff. It's, I, I walk in there and I go, Hmm, I want that. I, well, okay, no, I can't take that home. I don't have room for that. Um, <laughs> you, uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head of the, the vibe that I was setting out to, to do when I started this was, I noticed that there was a very easy intrinsic crossover on all of this stuff. If you like one geek thing, it's fairly reasonable that you like other geek thing. And so the synergy just kind of came by virtue of, oh, we like escapism. Let's do the escapism thing and play game. You know what I mean? And it turns out everybody that likes a game likes another game or another game or another game. Yeah, it's... And by the way, don't, you know, at some point, obviously, make sure you give out the name of your shop because I know you do sell online. Um, I do. You know, so people can... I mean, we'll give you a good plug spot at some point, but, you know, I don't want to feel like you can't, you know, shout yourself out. Oh, sure. I'm I'm always more conversational than promoter, which is probably why I, I am a hole-in-the-wall store as opposed to a larger store, but I appreciate that. No. You know, but yeah, I just... So, first, how long have you been, been at the... How long have you owned a game store in some iteration or what you approximate as a game store? So, I initially started out doing... Uh, helping other people do trade shows, and that began... 11 or 12 years ago, uh, because I uh, am old uh, at heart and of body. And then about eight years ago, I put the business plan into effect, and we are actually entering our our eighth year now as a physical retail location. Uh, We do a lot of trade shows, like a lot of Comic-Cons and things of that nature, but as far as a physical retail location, uh, yeah, we started that in, we started building it at the end of 2016-ish. And yeah, we're coming up quick on our eighth year, which is exhausting uh, to think about. And aging, uh, kind of like the the rapid aging sequence at the end of uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, when they all <laughs> rapidly, when the when when uh, what was it, Julian Glover's character rapidly deteriorates from taking a, a drink. That's how I feel <laughs> talking about this. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, so so almost yeah, probably almost eight years. It's been a a cool ride, though, because I've discovered that Pittsburgh, which is where I'm at, is really geeky. Uh, it's probably one of the coolest, nerdiest cities I've I've ever been to. And it's they really support a community of, of this sort of thing here, which is just the best. I've kind of noticed that, too. But I it, it seems weird in that the Pittsburgh geeky community seems to, like, stay very sell-selled. Like, we'll meet up at a convention or whatever, but, like, there's this crew and this crew and this crew, and we all know that each other exists, but, yeah, no, we're doing our thing, and you're doing your thing, and I don't know if that's unique to hear. I have but... found... Well, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was kind of at the end of my thought, so... Oh, okay. I have found, since doing this, especially because we had the benefit... So, so Pittsburgh is a weird cardinal direction city where we've got bridges and tunnels everywhere, and so it's very easy for the city to get segmented uh, in their own little vicinity, so to speak, these little boroughs. Uh, and one of the neat things that we noticed was you have, like, because we originally started south of the city, which is theoretically, as the crow flies, like four minutes away, but an hour and a half as uh, as traffic moves. And, and then don't throw in road construction. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. Uh, so we found, though, that people will avoid the bridges and tunnels, so they kind of get compartmentalized to their areas around the city. 
we were weirdly lucky in that uh, we were bringing people kind of east of the city to to us anyway. So it was it was fascinating to move the store, expect it to be worse, and then it suddenly get busier than we'd ever been. Just because we had reached out across the city lines compared to what other people normally do. But as regards to Pittsburgh, though, it is people will avoid travel for some reason. And so you, you hit the nail on the head. They will get these little these little core groups around the city that kind of just stay in their little neighborhoods, which is kind of awesome in a weird way, because then they start to know their stores. They start to know their people. They start to know their community. And then over time, those communities all kind of merge into one, like you said, at events and at, at places and at, at, at things to do. And then this community just feels huge and really supportive, like little structures within a net, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, 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 cause it, PGX, you know, just to, to go back a little bit, you know, and I mentioned this when we did the, the wrap up on it, PGX is a really neat show because like, I know for me going back this year, there were people that I recognized as just, Hey, I saw you here last year. That's amazing. They weren't a presenter, uh, uh, you know, anything. It was just, I remember that person from last year. You know, it wasn't yeah. someone I had a conversation with, uh, you know, anything like that, but. Which is fascinating because Pittsburgh has this, this thing where even though it's, so PGX had, I don't know if we've officially announced the number yet, uh, but I'll do it here because I don't care. Uh, <laughs> it was, it, we doubled last year. It was well over 30. When you factor in kids, it's somewhere between 3,200 3, and 3,500 attendees this year. Mm-hmm. It was absurd. It was huge. It was amazing. Uh, last year, we capped, I believe, at 28, which was the coolest thing in the world. Uh, we figured, oh, 10% year over year, that'd be great. We get a few hundred extra people, it'd be amazing. No, it was absurd. It was awesome. The thing that we find, though, is even though Pittsburgh can support an event like that where you have thousands of people in a building, Pittsburgh still feels, at its core, like a small town. You will see people that you recognize, you'll lock eyes with them and be like, I know you from somewhere. And it just happens. Uh, and it's, it's unnerving if you have anxiety which I do, and occasionally get kind of freaked out when someone will yell for me uh, across the street in a different part of the city where I'm like just trying to, I don't know, check out a brewery or something. Uh, but it's very cool to know that Pittsburgh is so tight-knit that like you hit the nail on the head, you'll recognize someone just because you saw them in passing once, just because they're there. And it's, it's so cool here. So, I mean, other than just loving games, was there any other reason you got into having a game store? Uh, midlife crisis uh, very early on. Um, so, yes, there is actually. So I had initially started a game store in a rural community in 2009. Uh, God, Legends End was what it was called uh, up in up near Katanning, PA, if you know the area. I did that for about 10 months until the property manager of my building kept breaking into the store. So we won't name any names until so I'd finally had enough. And then I had I, alarmingly, it was successful because when you build a gaming store, in an area where there is nothing to do, the if you build it, they will come mentality does apply in a lot of ways. And so I did that. I loved it. It was nearly successful. But then I ran from rural America out to the city because I am a city kid at heart, despite growing up around farms and tractors and all that fun stuff. So after I had done that, I had gotten the itch for the next several years, half a decade or more. Um, until I started helping some friends of mine open theirs uh, in Penn Hills, which is just a suburb of Pittsburgh. After I'd done that, I was like, oh, I really need to do this again. Uh, it, 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 like, it wouldn't get out of my head for years. So I built a business plan out and everything. 
I was working corporate jobs, uh, doing operational management stuff on the anywhere from like the crummiest retail job all the way up to like I was there's a whole that's a whole topic of my life that's unique. But running uh, an airsoft company, which is the weirdest industry in the world, uh, which is effectively toy guns and like Call of Duty LARPing, for lack of a better explanation. <laughs> um and we were one of the largest in the country for sure, but even one of the largest in the world based out of Pittsburgh. And so I did that for years until I legitimately ended up having a mental break and I quit on the spot. Now, that's an interesting story because my business partner, I have a business partner for the shop. He's very silent because he's doing his own thing. But my business partner is actually the dude who owned that airsoft company. And uh, he liked me enough that even though I had quit, he was like, let's start this thing you talked about. And so that's where this kind of jumped off of. Uh, so he, he, he let me walk away from something that I had, I had been really high up in to, uh, to come start this instead. Uh, and he, he supported me that pretty darn well in the, in the building of it. So I, I really appreciate it. But yeah, we, uh, we started this as kind of a, I needed to do this or I would probably have exploded. Like, like I would have like not existed anymore. And there's a whole topic of mental health and like mental degradation that comes from quantifying people as numbers that kind of like bums me out. And that's kind of part of the reason I left uh, and the stress of all that sort of world. But then getting into the gaming side of it, I it saved my life 100 percent. As much as I work way more and more hard and have less money, I'd take it a million times over what was happening before. So, uh, yeah, that's a. That's a weird one. I haven't really thought about that story in a long time, but it is a it's a long path to me running games and then hating games. So, yeah, it's interestingly enough. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and for those of you who hear him say he hates games, he says this to me regularly when I come in to have conversations with him. Complete deadpan, you know, whatever. And I think, is it fair to say it's like it's a fatigue, but you love them so much you can't leave and that's why you hate them? Oh, so... 100%. Yeah, I um I I have the I have the unfortunate benefit of 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 having over the past couple of years becoming friends with 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 the Steves in question here. And uh the so you have to forgive me. I uh I occasionally do just be very conversational. Uh no, I love games. I love everything that gaming stands for. It is the most universal bridge for people of different beliefs and 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 ideologies and lifestyles to come together and agree on something. And so it is without a doubt one of the most important aspects of our existence is the ability to play universally. I adore gaming. I think it is without a doubt the most consequential thing the human race may ever do. As weird as that sounds. The problem is never monetize your hobbies because then you hate them. <laughs> uh, not literally you just you don't get to enjoy them either you don't get to enjoy them anymore because they represent what you do for a living or you'd never get to enjoy them ever again because time doesn't exist 50 50 not sure which part of it i hate the most uh i love gaming i've tried getting back into tabletop this year i've tried getting back into video games and it's getting better uh but then the work gets harder and then now we're coming up on the holidays so it's uh getting even harder again so I adore gaming. I just hate gaming. It's the best way to describe it. You know what I mean? No, no, no. I, I, I get it. Like I said, having had several multi-hour conversations hanging around your shop and whatever, I, I get where you're coming from, but I could also see how someone could be a bit taken aback to hear that 
not knowing you at all. Sure. Uh, I, I pride myself on being uh, absurd, to be clear. I 90% of every action that I take, even including marketing and public outreach, is to make someone laugh or remember that they were here. It's so easy to get lost in the shuffle of small businesses that are trying to do this. I figure my best shot to stick out is to be weird as hell. Like, just honestly, uh, if, if, if they're like, wow, remember the time we went to check out all those game stores and then there was that really, really weird guy? <laughs> Let's go back there. He was funny. And if that's enough to do it, then I did my job right. So, yeah, I, I, I do skew absurd a lot in ways that people aren't ready for. Fair. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. We've got some questions. Uh, some of our, our Patreon supporters have, have submitted that I'll, I'll throw in from time to time here. Um, one of them, uh, Eric, wants to know, how do you decide what new products to carry when they come out? Uh, so I've got three methods that I use. The first is I scream until I'm hoarse and pass out. And when I wake up, the first thing I see, I order. Uh, the second is I check the statistics of what people are ordering the most of on our vendors from our vendors and our distributors. And then I order those because that just makes sense. Uh, and then third, uh, I employ a psychic from time to time, uh, just to tell me what I should get and what I shouldn't No, Obviously the answer is, um, I monitor trends to see what's growing in popularity. We carry things that are like your expecteds. Uh, and then I try to throw in, I'm a big fan of curveballs. Every store on the planet is carrying your standard retail expected RPGs, your standard retail expected board games, your everything you would expect to get, you can get at Target. You don't have to say their name if you want to censor that. You can get them at major corporate retailers. I hate carrying that stuff because I can't even get it at a fair price because certain companies undercut their own distributors to undercut their retailers worse. I won't name any names. <laughs> uh, I've gone on that rant before. So <laughs> I'll carry them and I will often put a sticker on them that says, please don't buy this. That would be foolish. Uh, so we, I will look at those. I will carry those. Generally, I find that I am a sucker for the indies. Uh, or at least smaller production stuff. Like, heck, right here in Pittsburgh, we've got a ton of killer indie developers who are doing more interesting things than major players owned by massive conglomerate toy companies. <laughs> Whatever that may mean to you and your <laughs> listeners. And we can have that very unauthor we can have that very uncensored conversation one day if you'd like to, but I figured I would toe the line for you. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, look, different people like what they like and and Look, I like it. Yeah, we've all played the game in question. We all pro will probably play it again. I playing it right now, and I'm for it. I'm screaming about it at the moment. I'm I'm ticked that I'm playing it, but I'm playing it. You know what I mean? Like at least yeah. it's there. Right. It's still a game. You can have fun playing with people you like being around. When ubiquity matters, that's the thing that sucks about it. Is when you create enough of an ecosystem where your product is almost the shorthand for all of it. It's just, you're stuck with it, right? Mm -hmm. Not to evoke, like, like Kleenex, right? It's a, it's a nose tissue, but Kleenex itself became ubiquitous with the notion of wiping your snotty nose when you have a cold. Much like this other company's product became fairly ubiquitous with fantasy roleplay gaming. Take that as you will, because that's all even my customers come in asking for it. They'll be like, can I get that one? That, but I think it's made by a different company. But, you know, the one with the the underground and the winged lizards that one 
<laughs> I'm like, I got you. You want to pick up this? Got you. So, but no, th- and that's you. It sucks to know how complicated it is to source products, right? The biggest thing that I run into is like, what is cool? Well, that's subjective, right? Like, I'm a big fan of Star Trek, and not everybody is. So, what the hell do my opinions matter to someone? You know what I mean? Uh, so we try very hard to compare the numbers of what people like to buy, what people seem like they're buying elsewhere, and then what we uh, what we think our customers, as eclectic as they are, might also be into. Mm-hmm. And so that means anything from the big one to uh, you know some nifty little indies. I'm a big. I don't know. I you don't have. You can set this up. I'm a huge fan of uh, of IPR uh, Indie Press Revolution for mm-hmm. literally sourcing. Again, thank you. By the way. Uh, <laughs> For telling me that they existed, that was one of the coolest things that have uh, that that I have found since doing this was I would prefer to carry a thousand indies and never sell a single one of them than build my business on the back of a major corporation that wants me to shut down. Yeah, and and look, I all of our long term listeners know I've I've gone on that rant before, and right. and I feel like shops like yours, the friendly local game stores, Friendlies. that's what built the hobby into what it is. That was where you used to have to go to get these books. That's where you met people to play with because we didn't used to have the the internet to meet on Facebook groups or Discord channels or whatever other, you know, things you meet on nowadays, meet up and I, you know, I don't even know if meetup's still around, but you know, like the the game stores were the foundation that that built what is now. And in ways, I think some of the progresses of the industry are undercutting them but it really i find it kind of offensive that this one conglomerate we've mentioned has taken to blatantly undercutting the very thing that made them what they are it is a bit unsettling because you're right so i've been just to kind of add a little bit of credibility i've been playing tabletop since i was 13 14 years old i'm now 36 so i've got and nobody has to tell their age, but I will. Uh, I've got over 20 years of of playing tabletop, literally worshiping at the altar of tabletop. And so I remember when it was a bullyable offense to play said major conglomerate branded lizard game. Mm-hmm. You know, lizards like to roast. And so you have to be careful not to say their name because, you know, they send Pinkertons <laughs> after you. We wouldn't want mercenaries to come and pay us a visit. Uh, you can censor that if you want, but I've got some salt about that. I've got a lot of salt about that. Um, but, well, especially because we're Pittsburgh people. I don't know if you're familiar with the history of... Okay, sidebar. Yeah. You can nuke this if you want. I don't care. This is hilarious. So back in the eight, early 1900s, late 1800s, we had a massive union strike in Homestead, PA. Mm-hmm. Massive. Absurdly huge. They sent in the Pinkerton detective agency to smash the strike. Several people were killed. Several mm-hmm. union workers were, were killed in Pittsburgh and Homestead by the Pinkerton detective agency. So when these wonderful human beings decided to send in the same company to effectively strong arm product back from their own mistake from a customer that they sent the wrong thing to, I there's not only was I mad because that's gross. There's like a Pittsburgh based anger, too, because I don't know if any of your listeners will know this, but Pittsburgh is weirdly like, I don't know. It's a pride thing here. People just 
love being from Pittsburgh a lot. And there's like a weird genetic predisposition to just like, oh, I'm sorry, this affected Pittsburgh. I'm even angrier now. There's a very strange localness to it. Mm -hmm. It's odd. But whenever like so not only is it gross that they send in the Pinkertons to take back these this product uh, through what should be illegal activities. But again, I'm not even weighing into that. It's already gross. But then being from Pittsburgh, be like, oh, you mean the company that killed our people? You sent them in. Don't literally don't exist as a company anymore. You're terrible people. Like it's like that's the vibe immediately. Um, it's absurd though because you literally most companies would kill for that kind of accidental good press. This one, right? This one chooses at every opportunity to tank its own successes with a dumber news story every time. Like clockwork. They did. There was one yesterday that came out about stolen art for trading cards. Literally, someone just took someone's painting and put it in the background in its entirety for one of the new trading card sets oh wow yet if you if you i don't i i think i know at least one of you's in my discord i posted about it just laughing i was like watsy's back baby so we're doing great like it's so hilarious though it's like because like i love tabletop like i love D D, and that's the heartbreaker for me is because like there's so much good around it like the the new movie was awesome the new the new Baldur's Gate game was amazing. And literally mm -hmm. in the midst of these tentpole scenarios of like D&D &D having this. I, I'm just giving up hiding it. The D&D mainstream success, like just victory lap that they could have been having is permanently tainted by their own stupidity and inability to manage an incredibly unnecessary crisis every single time like clockwork. Mm -hmm. While at the same time, just 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 ruining their relationship with the public and the local game stores who put them on the map in the first place. So having done this for as long as I have and playing the game for as long as I have every single day, I wake up and go, please, Watsy, please be human. Just one more time for old time's sake. It would be just very cool if you could. So yeah, doing this as long as I have, though, I lose my mind because I'm literally sitting here being like, Hey, that thing that I love. Don't play that one. That one sucks. Play this other one because eh, they suck, but a lot less. And you're not supporting a company that supports the f***ing Pinkertons. Again, sorry for language. Uh, yeah, but no, it's a, but passion aside, like that is the frustration every day is because like, those are questions I have to answer in store a lot. Like, cause where on one hand, it'll, you come from the side of like, we would come from the side of like, what, well, how do you pick your products? I come from the other side of it too. People who are embedded in the hobby will be like, are you really comfortable? Because like, I know how you are. Are you really comfortable carrying these products? And I'm like, what am I going to do? Everybody wants them. The answer is no, because I have ethics, like even a little. Uh, but the the Watsy side of it complicates things for me as a as a as a store owner. Yeah. Knowing it's like I have to sell this thing for a company that hates my guts. I, well, I, and they won't say it, but obviously they do by every action they take. Mm -hmm. So I go to the indies. The indies, we love them. Like that's. That's the move every time. Like I've, there are titles of books that crack me up so much that I just buy them. One hundred. I didn't even blink. Like I, there was one recently. I think I pointed out to you was that uh, Oops All Draculas, mm -hmm. which is a local creator, by the way. Yeah, you told me that. It blew my mind. I had no idea. I literally bought it based on the name. I was like, this is absurd. What the? What is this about? And I grabbed it immediately. I was like, let me read about this. It is so silly and so funny. That I'm like, this is what we should be carrying. Like, this is what people should be wanting to play. It may be a little bit more party driven or like one off, like, like you played at a party, not literally like a party game, but like, 
like or like a party game, but just something absurd like that. Like one of the neatest ones that I have found in recent years was um was it uh Los Pasiones de Pasione? I'm gonna have to look it up exactly. It's I know the telen- one you're talking about. Uh it's a telenovela RPG where it's literally by games. It's so weird. And conceptually it is the coolest thing I have seen. I had to buy a copy for myself instantly. And I did, and I love it. It's a, it's so and I'm sitting there, I'm like, why do I still play sword and sorcery garbage fantasy? And I come from I come from second edition to a degree. Like, well, kind of. I I I'm I'm a hand me down kid, so I, I came in between second and third edition mm-hmm. playing playing old mods like old like modules and stuff like Hackmaster and stuff just to make it even crunchier and meaner. So even then, like, I want to sit there and be like, I understand the grognard mentality and I, I don't even do that. But like, I am technically an old RPG guy and I, I just get depressed because it's weird to bring new stuff in to mm-hmm. get back to your initial question, because it's hard to know what even like at what point when you're looking at something to bring in, do you go, am I supporting someone horrifying? Uh, am I am I supporting a machine that y- treats this hobby and this this world like uh, strictly as as a financial thing mm-hmm. and uh at the expense and i, I wouldn't even mind because again uh, capitalism is what it is people are here to make money i get all that uh my ethos is very unique compared to most so i understand that my concern is always like at what point is this no longer a product for customers it's just a brand to to exploit you know what i mean mm-hmm. and we get things like cool games cool you know cool expansions we get cool new core rule books and source books and all this stuff but they always feel so hollow because the company that makes them seems like they don't actually care about what they're doing well i've said before that i don't think the corporate structure and outlook works in rpgs because they're they're a very different kind of product and and at least i will say for me and a lot of other people i've talked to a lot of the things that'll really draw me to a game is the the passion that you can tell went into the creation. For and sure. on a corporate level, that is not what corporations do. They go, what can we get the most money for the least input? And that is how it's done. Yep. And and even, you know, to to go back to, you know, we've talked about Watsi and Hasbro, you know, Ryan Dancy, who was involved in Wizards of the Coast initially buying TSR talked about a concept that he calls network externality that is he, he says you know is key to role playing games and he basically what he's saying is the value of a, a role playing game due to this concept is I, I forget how it but it, it basically the value of your product is based on the number of people using it and so like if 50 people play your game, it's worth so much. But if 5,000 people play your game, it's worth massively more. You know, but the value isn't the game itself. It's the people that follow it, like in a weird way. When you have something that was so historically niche that people were literally demonized throughout the 80s for playing. Well, look at Stranger Things. That was not unrealistic. Right. No. The, well, the Satanic Panic was a very real mm-hmm. thing in the 80s. Uh, so you have this thing that is a moral outrage. And so immediately it's an uphill battle for its popularity. When something in this niche manages to survive what is effectively a culture war explicitly against it and then come back in a huge way to the point where it is a mainstream success, you have to wonder, was it good marketing? 
or was it good players sticking by the product the whole time? If your community managed to, to be the buoyancy needed to keep your nonsense afloat, you need to not weigh that down with the bloat of dumb decision making. You don't sink that ship. When you're built on the backs of local game stores, the players who inhabit them, the ability to play in a space and enjoy a game, that's got to be the guiding philosophy is play, right? At the end of the day, if you commodify it in a way that it is microtransactioned or it is you're only able to play it online and then you actively campaign against the only thing that allowed you to exist in the first place, you either don't understand your product, you don't understand your community, or you actively detest them and don't trust them with your product. Mm -hmm. And if that's your, if that's your philosophy as a company, dump your product because you shouldn't, if you don't love what you're selling the way that your community loves it, don't be part of the community. You're bad for the hobby. You're, you're, I don't want to say you're bad for the hobby because, hey, you own the, the intellectual property rights. Good for you. You bought them in a fire sale during the, the downturn of all gaming. But at the same time, like, if you're going to exploit it, make sure you're exploiting in a way that, because that's the frustration, right? Like, if they are willing to work with the LGSs, they could effectively make more money if they were willing to do it in a way that wasn't horrifying, right? Mm -hmm. like, like you could easily generate regimented events. You could generate uh, the ability to get your books digitally when you purchase. Like you could do a slight increase in price, but when you buy a physical book at the store, it comes sealed, you open it, there's a card, you get a book. You could double, you could, you could I mean, just to get capitalistic about it, you could double dip on your customer mm -hmm. if you wanted to do that as a corporation, which they do. As a, as a consumer, I will say, if I know I can get a free PDF, a free PDF, you know, air quotes, with the purchase quotes. of the physical book, I'm more likely to buy it that way. I am typically very offended by having to pay for the same thing twice. Which is, and you can tell that there is the margin that allows them to do it based on the fact that, okay, so MSRP on an RPG book from this company is around 50, is about 60 bucks, 59.95 or something to that effect. That's their manufacturer suggested retail price. I buy that from a distributor around 28 to 30. That's a number that I shouldn't tell you. I'm going to tell you because this is where I get frustrated with this company. They will then turn around and sell that same book on Amazon for eight to $10 less than they're selling it to the, that, that I'm buying it from the distributor. Mm -hmm. Meaning they're undercutting everyone in their, in their ecosystem immediately. Mm -hmm. So if they are able to sell it as cheap as they are to the end user, either they are mismanaging allocation and trying to make up money, or they're profiting on each of those items regardless. Meaning at that MSRP level, there is room to sell it in a way that they're not going to lose money by including a PDF, which is really apparent every time you think about it. And so the frustration comes is like, you could easily sell, you could, you could mathematically sell the book for less, include a PDF, and not screw over your local game stores and the actual in-store play people, and still turn a profit, unless you are mismanaging your product that poorly, uh, which obviously they are not because D&D &D is a, it's printing money. Basically, yeah. Especially now that it's gone so digital, they only need to generate a PDF one time or a, or a, or a website that, that includes the content one time and then just send it out. 
Don't be wrong. I understand there's R&D costs. I'm not foolish. But at the same time, if they have room to sell it for as low as they often do, they could sell it for more and still be better than they are. Mm -hmm. And stop undercutting their distros. Stop undercutting their end, their end vendors. Stop undercutting their own customers who like to shop local, who maybe don't want to give money to another major corporation based out of Seattle, who may not <laughs> want to give, you know, who may not care about two-day shipping or who may want to just have it in hand today. Mm -hmm. by going to their LGS, because there is no greater friend to retail than impulse. Just, in, just point of fact, people are impulsive creatures. Humans are, they like, they are very instant gratification driven. You work with your local stores who will, hell, I'm the type of store, if you call me and I'm not open, I'll be like, I can make it in. I'll be there. Don't worry. Like, we're going to get your product in the hands of a customer faster than you are because you don't value them as a customer. We do. We need them. Like, mm -hmm. cool, you have IP rights, you can sell a movie, you can sell a video game, blah, 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 blah. We can sell your product and make a new person want to continue playing that for life. Because that's why I still play tabletop. Not that I like gaming, to be clear. <laughs> but that's why I still play tabletop even now, uh, is because I, back before all of this hullabaloo, that was the fun thing. And so it, it, it bums me out coming from it from a store perspective, because I literally have to sit back and be like, this thing that I love, maybe something else. What are you into? Do you like fantasy? Try this. Oh, you like sci-fi? Definitely try this, you know? Uh, and that, that feels so antithetical to what got me into that side of the game in the first place. But from a business perspective, it's just really hard to, to, to go to bat for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it sucks because like from the, the, the store perspective, like the actual ownership perspective is like, it's a damned if you do damned if you don't situation, because you need to have it. It's part and parcel for a store like this. Do you have any, do you have any, do you have any D and D books? Well, yeah, I do. And then nothing hurts like trying to talk someone out of buying it in a way that makes them feel like you're not disrespecting their intelligence, right? Like you never want to talk someone out of buying something to be clear. If someone's like, here's your money. You say, thanks. I appreciate you because you do. But there's still that small little voice in the back of your head going, I know you can get this cheaper. They're undercutting me, which sucks. But like, I can't, like, I feel, like, I feel they put me as a store owner in a, in a precarious position where I feel uncomfortable selling their product for what they tell me I should sell it for because they're unwilling to sell it for that price themselves. Yeah. So it, it creates a moral dilemma for me, uh, which is not what I want to have to deal with. Like, I like writing moral dilemmas into my sessions. And making my players panic about what right and wrong is. I don't want to have to face a moral dilemma to suggest someone play the game in the first place. Mm -hmm. That messes me up. So I don't, I don't know. It's, it's weird. And then that, but yeah, just undercutting your own distributors and your vendors is such a weird business model that I can't wrap my head around. I just, I, no matter how hard I try, I cannot see that. They're relying on impulse, on the impulse of, of next day delivery or two day delivery to undercut the long-term health of their game at, at, to the benefit of immediate instant gratification for shareholders, it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, oof. Oh, no. It's, it's icky. <laughs> but, hey, but, hey, gaming is fun, y'all. We should Y'all should play games as soon as you can. Uh, I realize now that there are way too many horrifying quotes in here that are great sound bites for you to use. <laughs> <laughs> You're implying that I'm willing to take the time to cut it up that far. Thank God. Perfect. I'm <laughs> Someone else might, though. That's the thing, right? No. Um, no, but it's messed up because, like, I there's so many great games. Like, y'all have shown me killer games, even, that, like, I did not know about. Like, 
like things like Hell Knight or 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 Morkborg or stuff like that. And those are effectively they're barely indies now, but compared to the big names, they're indie as heck. Like they're awesome and they're creative. Mm-hmm. And they're weird or they're unique things that do something that isn't a status quo thing, right? Even even Paizo for all of their uh, anathema to the D&D ethos, they're still effectively the same thing, built on the same foundation, doing the same setting kind of thing. There are so many more things than sword and sorcery in that world. Like it, That's before you even get into the board game elements. That's before you even get into you know, card game elements or any of that stuff. That's just in the RPG space alone. There are even licensed products with that are that are still big names, big name IPs that are doing more fascinating and creative things uh, than 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 Watsi is willing to do with its own product that is the kind of the progenitorial product of its kind, mm-hmm. which sucks because like it's cool. And then you have to you have to sit there and feel kind of like you have to take a shower after you buy the books. Like last time I put an order, I was just like, I just spent more to my distro than if I would have just bought it on Amazon. And that that's yeah. So I may not have a distro after this conversation, and I'm not gonna lie, it's a small part of me. It's like cool, that's fine. Uh, I'll just buy it from Amazon, evidently. <laughs> no, uh, but it does make me laugh though because uh, you're making me reckon with a lot of the things that I that I hate about being a game store owner, uh, which is that it shouldn't be this hard. No, I buy things for the video game side of my business and for the toy side of my business and the collectible side of my business that work in human margins, right? More realistic numbers. I can get a, I can realistically get a 50% margin or better on things. Now that sounds like a, Oh, so much profit. It's really not. We have employees, we have overhead, we have rent. Like it is hard to make money, believe it or not, especially as a small store. And that is why we generate a lot of stuff online that we can. That's why we run a website. That's why we do all of those things is to to kind of cast a wide net to get as many customers as we can. And I can't in good conscience, like, I can't pay my employees terribly. I would never feel okay with myself. Uh, so there's, I try to be better than a minimum wage guy because uh, that sucks and I would never work that way myself. Uh, not in this economy. So, but our margins can be better in other things and then I feel like I'm permanently fighting uphill for what is effectively a cheaper product to produce than everything else I carry. And that kind of gets, becomes an even bigger, like, like stick in my craw about it. But then I go and talk to like, like an indie company, like, um, like IPR, who literally is just a unique distributor for a bunch of different things. And my margins are similar to what I get in video games. And then I always check them like, is the creator getting paid? And the creator generally seems to be getting paid. I actually talked to a creator who sells on IPR. Mm hmm. I bought his books directly from him once and I bought his books on RPR and he seems to do okay. And if that company is able to survive with the margins that they're offering, I imagine a major corporation could as well without being so anti-consumer and anti-store. It's weird. I am a terrible business owner by all accounts. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a soft, like I'm a, I, I would never want to take advantage of my customer base, which makes it very hard to profit for whatever that's worth, I will happily be poor as long as we can build a community around gaming. And I know that sounds like that's pandering. No, I really am very poor. Trust me. Like I'm busy and I'm poor. That's how I know I'm doing it right. Uh, <laughs> we're constantly busy and I have no money. So I'm doing something okay. Uh, but no, like that is the, that is the, the thing that always kind of stinks about this is because 
I can see the benefit to running, like you said, like I do not have a standard local game store. We have other types of gaming content in here. And what that does is it casts a really frustrating spotlight on the issues with the tabletop space as a game store owner and as and running tabletop in these stores because there are very cool board games that are in vogue that will come out that people really want to play and this is just outside of even the rpg space uh like board games the people be like i want to buy that and they'll be like i want to buy that at my local store and i have to tell them when they come in that it's only available at target that it's only available at walmart that it's only available on amazon because there's no trust there's no trust in your game stores anymore and it's not from your local like customers it's from your major corporations that don't seem to want to partner with them and like they don't want to partner they want to just throw it at a distributor and then never talk to them again that i've never like i've carried a lot of these products for years i've never spoken to anybody who works at wizards i've never spoken to anybody who works at hasbro but i've spoken to people who work at the smaller publishers i've spoken to people who work at artelsorian i've spoken to people who work at green ronin i've spoken to people who work at smaller places that seem to actually want to still kind of prop up the notion of their local game shops mm -hmm. and so i don't feel like as we again i feel very bad because this is all very doom and gloom but in reality like tabletop gaming is hotter than ever right now and so, but I just don't necessarily think that it has to be in the space that is these huge companies handling it. These smaller companies actually do still work with the stores. Um, and the stores aren't the end all be all because I, I, and I see that because I have the benefit of, I do this, I partake in the hobby myself, I do e-commerce, which is separate from the store itself, and I also run a convention whose primary focus is on multidiscipline gaming. And we can see all of these pillars of the gaming community you could tell you can always tell who's who cares about the community and who doesn't every time we see companies like path like paizo and pathfinder or just paizo in general they have their organized play crews who will go in and run demos they have their organized play crews who will go in and do adventure paths and teach people how to play you have smaller publishers whose writers and producers and just creatives will go to these shows to just hang out or run games or give panels and talks on this stuff you don't get that with companies that hate the stores. And it sucks because, again, you, you're, you're stuck always like kind of being a defender for its existence while also being like, I wish that it didn't exist at all. Yeah. And I think, too, I think and it, it's really hard at times because you have people like, like a Jeremy Crawford and um, Chris Perkins, right? I feel like they genuinely love games and gaming and they happen to work at the place that they do. Right. I don't, I think if anyone could ever have a candid conversation, candid conversation with them off the record, you would probably hear a lot of the same comments that we've been throwing back and forth tonight. Right. We can't, obviously they can never say that. Right. But, you know, I don't know. Steve, do you have anything to add in here? You've been very, very quiet tonight. No, sorry. I'm still trying to protect my voice <laughs> fair fair i'm not giving anybody a chance either you, you you push the the boulder down the hill and i just started rambling about the no but like i said it it's a different perspective on it right it, it's a perspective that that we as the consumer don't necessarily see you know it, it it creates a situation where you 
because I'm kind of in the middle, right? Like you're a consumer, but you're also a content creator around it. I'm a consumer for it, you know? So I sit, even I have to sit here and have a little bit of whiplash when I'm like, I love to buy this for me and I, I love running the software for my game. It's very convenient. The ecosystem is so rad, kind of. And then I go and look at it and then I go, oh, I have to buy this for my store. And I go, what? It was cheaper for me as a consumer. Yeah. And I'm like, so what? So why the hell am I carrying this product? Like, and like, that's not the question that I want to ask. Like, any product that I carry historically is like, I'm jazzed about. I'm like, yo, I can't wait to carry this. This is going to be sick in the store. People are going to freak out when they see we've got this. That's one of those situations where I'm like, why do I even have this? I'm either going to have to answer questions about people who are mad about the new, the new outrage of the week that the company caused, or I'm going to have to feel guilty that I sold somebody something that is, uh, by my metrics, overpriced considerably. I'm literally gouging. I feel like a scalper every time I sell it. Well, and, and the other thing that, that, and I don't know that you know the numbers on this. I don't know them specifically. But I also know that while other smaller publishers, be it Artel, Sorian, whoever, are selling their similar-sized hardcover books at these price points, the runs that Watsi and Hasbro are printing at they are probably paying a quarter per volume what, say, our Talsorian is. And I, I'm probably being like... Very generous. I'm prob- yeah. Well, consider... Okay, so consider the notion of even independent publishing. Like, if you look at smaller publishers who do 8.5 by 11 books, sometimes you, as a, as, a, as a person in the public, can get those books printed for like 12 to 20 bucks, somewhere in that range, mm-hmm. without being without corporate money, right? Even at 11, even at, even at $20 a book, at a $60 MSRP, that's a lot of money to go around, right? So then take that away for a second. Like, just imagine then that you are a major corporation who is offshoring that work. There is a, ma- like, there is a huge margin in there. No matter what, if, if they are spending more than that per book, no, they're not. But if they are, I go back to my point about mismanaging their allocation. I like to assume, I like to assume that it's never malice. It's a bad call. It's what is it? Hanlon's razor. I think Yeah, Hanlon's razor never attribute to malice. What could be adequately explained by stupidity. I think that's the, the gist of the quote, but that doesn't really vibe with their public facing ethos, which seems to be our customers. Yeah. Send the Pinkertons. Like I think that I don't know if that's their mission statement, but it could be. And the <laughs> fact that the public will joke that that could be their 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 mission statement because I saw it today before I went to bed. I work overnight a lot because that's I guess it's a weird sentence to say. But I saw literally this morning someone being like making fun of the Pinkerton thing about the stolen art situation that just went live this week. And I'm just like, that's now something that is going to be just permanently tied to their reputation as a company. And that's like that bums me out because it's like, I want to play D&D. Ah, but I supported a mercenary group. Dit. Like, that's the vibe that I have to, like, work through every time I think about it. So it's like, yeah, give me, give me something with a real, like, I would rather buy from, well, prime example, I literally sent an email to Artel Sorian and got one back. They're already a better company to me. Like, I've sent an email to, uh, to, to, to Green Ronin. I've talked to one of the producers at Green Ronin in person. These are companies I'd rather work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to just be like, I, it's weird. So our, we've actually been kind of reformatting our ethos for here about 
being a store that emphasizes the indie RPG spaces because they're cooler, they're weirder, they're they kind of harken back to the niche days of tabletop where it was dorky and weird and not cool. And that's way cooler to me. I, you know, I really enjoy supporting like, like LGBT creators. I really enjoy supporting like, 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 like persons of color who do all this work because we literally have so much corporate nonsense in it. I would rather deal with our local or just unrepresented people any chance I get because they actually still have passion, creativity. They care about the, honestly, I think, I feel like they care about the weirdness of the medium better than corporate influence. They care about the, the safety of the hobby. They care about the safety of the people who partake in the hobby. And that all feels way more important than publishing millions of these books that are way overpriced and are so just poorly put together i don't i did not intend for this to turn into a let's bash watsi night like that i don't know how this happened well, i'm so sorry no no no. It, it's but, but well they exist as a monolith that you compare every part of this business to mm-hmm. and that's the thing is like so like i could be like i love this thing that i get to do in my job wish watsi did that like 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 bits and mortar what a fantastic principle there are so many other publishers that work with them that are real publishers there are also publishers that are very small publishers it feels like an equal playing field right Mm -hmm. their business model is easy buy book get pdf of book it's not rocket surgery like that is the easiest notion of how to cater to a an always connected audience while still having the benefit to facilitate a physical product in a retail store Mm -hmm. there is so you could have a major company who does the same thing in a way that is more regimented, sure, because they need to protect their interests. I get it. There are ways to authenticate that that aren't you cutting out your retail store in the entirety of it. I understand that there's product overhead. I understand that there's manufacturing costs. Again, I'm not foolish, but you're doing it anyway. So stop catering to exclusively online when in X amount of years, here's the thing, right? Like we have a very unique cross-section of pop culture that allowed tabletop to flourish in the past few years. You have things like Stranger Things that put it into vogue. You had cartoons making fun of it for years, literally until Stranger Things was the first cart- was probably the first bit of pop culture to not treat it as lame, I would argue. Because mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, cartoons and TV shows and all that have been doing D&D stuff for years, but they treat it as a punchline, right? Mm-hmm. Stranger Things literally built it intrinsically to the plot of the show that these kids and their understanding of tabletop lets them win and save the day. It was probably the first positive depiction of, of this space in ever. Literally, I would say probably ever. It's not Monsters and Mazes starring Tom Hanks. <laughs> it's not, uh, it's not the, the Dungeons and Dragons episodes of Community that are treating it like a punchline, right? It is a good thing in Stranger Things. At the same exact time you have that happening, you have Matt Mercer and the Critical Role people literally making it a compelling, narrative-driven storytelling experience that's very listenable, right? Regardless of my opinions on their, their form of actual play versus the public's now new expectations of actual play, I still think they represent a net positive for the hobby just based on public interest being generated in it. Abletop is at a unique place right now where it's amazing and it's huge. You know, 
before it was we had uh what was it justin whalen and or marlon wayans whatever the movie was in the night in the early 2000s yeah, for dungeon dragon Iron. jeremy irons yeah exactly yes. that movie was uh uh awful it was fun but it was awful right it's been treated like a punchline even by its own ip holders and fantasy on the on the whole kind of has with the exception of lord of the rings so you have this opportunity now to kind of lead the charge on this hobby. Here's the problem, though. If Critical Role stops to exist, if, if, if Stranger Things stops existing, like it's about to because the show is ending, and all of these other little spin-off shows don't maintain their following, that product becomes worthless again. And it's back to, the, to, the, it's back to niche. So the problem is, it's like, don't disrespect the people who put you on the map because you're going to beg them to take you back when you're no longer publicly relevant, which is bound to happen. We have cultural swings constantly. We cycle everything. Eventually, tabletop will be lame again, and I will still be playing it because I'm lame, and happily so. We, who are generating content about tabletop, will probably still be playing tabletop, supporting the niche creators that we like, while, once again that license becomes a bargain bin fire sale for a different company to pick up. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. It, that such is the life cycle of business in this sort of economy, in this sort of capitalist society. And I, don't, I, just, I say that very jokingly because it's way more complex than that, and I'm, we don't even want to get into the ethos of that mm-hmm. or into the, to, into the weeds of all that. It is, however, probably going to happen. Things that are... Listen... Nickelback was once the highest selling band in the world. They had at one point in time, 20 number one hits. They've now released three albums that no one has heard. They do not get radio play anymore. Sometimes too much of something makes everybody hate something. And sometimes things just fall off. Fair. So D&D might go away. And so you really want your game stores to still be propping up that little bit of income that you're going to get from it and stop taking advantage of your customers. So we're, we're caught in a weird situation. Again, again, I have to sit here and point the finger at this company. We don't carry trading cards. We wanted to. We love Magic the Gathering here. It's awesome. We will not carry it. The margins on it are destructive. The allocation is psychotic. And the culture around it is built on the gray market making you more money than the actual acquisition of the product from the distributor. So we don't carry it. And I, 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 I worry for any store who makes it the primary control point of their business. If you are getting into the tabletop space explicitly for cards, I worry that you will not have a long, like a leg to stand on for long. And, and it's not even to be like, I mean, we're in a situation again in Pittsburgh. We're very community oriented. I'm friends with my competitors. We like talk on the regular. We all are friends to a huge degree or at best we're frenemies. But literally, the same guiding thing always comes up. It's like, I do this, but I really have to rely on my concession sales to save, the, to save a draft weekend. I have to rely on impulse purchases of other shit in the store to save the weekend when we have Friday Night Magic. And I'm like, that is an inherently destructive way to do business. And so then they've created a situation where there's this gray market for product because allocation sucks. So... You have two options. You either sell it at retail and risk your ass every time, or you, uh, you start cracking packs and selling them on the gray market yourself directly, which then violates customer trust, in my opinion. 
And I can't even inherently blame the companies for doing that. Because when you have rent to pay, when costs of doing everything are going up so absurdly, and you want to pay your employees and pay your bills and survive in this just awful industry, you have to sit there and weigh whether or not to do something that's eh, not great against doing the right thing and losing your business. Mm -hmm. And that's not a choice you should have to make. And that's a choice that's directly affected by the companies that produce this stuff. So it's really hard for me to ever like, I'm under the impression, and this could be wrong, and, uh, but I've been told by several people that there are, so we've gotten a new tabletop store that opened in my, it, within a minute of my store, with two more on the way. I'm not worried. And here is why. It's not the bread and butter of my business. And it seems as though their primary focus is on trading cards, which means I worry for all three of these businesses in the long term. They may make a chunk of money right now. They may do great. I do not think that they have staying power because they might be stuck. And I've heard of stores who have closed down because of how much of their business started to come from that, that side of the industry, who now know these businesses no longer exist because over half of their income came specifically from Magic Nights. You can't sustain your business on a single product line like that. You have to diversify your income or you don't last. And so I worry that the industry is heading towards a unique kind of crash. As somebody who's watched it crash before, because I've been an outsider in it, I've been a customer in it, I've been, and I'm old enough to have a memory, we could be heading towards the same kind of bubble right now where like we're coming out of COVID. There was a huge boost to the market and coming out of COVID is a very, that sentence is very loaded and I understand that, but society has deemed COVID over whether or not we agree. And so we have to survive in the economy as it is. I like my store was shut down for almost two and a half years because I wanted to make sure that we opened in a healthy way in a safe way for the public. Right. Problem is, is during all of that, it's like some stores just opened within three months. Other stores uh, never opened again. And so, but you, you had this market pop up during COVID where collectors were killing it because you could scalp anything that was geeky that we were finding. It was GPUs for computers. It was cards. It was all of this. And so you could see the market for everything just go wacky. Games that used to be worth $10 are now worth 50 and 60. Games that were worth 80 bucks are now worth 500. It is, the margins are asinine. The big thing that I found though is that there is no sustainability if you limit yourself to one product, which is what everybody who does these cards do. And so it's really hard to see where we're going from a tabletop space entirely. I think it's, I don't know, it's, I'm concerned about an impending crash as well for this, just, just all of this side of the world. You can't even get allocation half the time unless you spend way more than you should to get it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. It's just, but yeah, there are uh, allegedly several more stores opening, uh, some of which are as close as within two minutes of me. I oh, cannot wow. wait to see what happens. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, I'm like, I just sell video games whenever the tabletop sales dip. And then I sell tabletop uh, because these other stores don't carry the weird stuff that I get in because I prefer the weird stuff. Uh, our customers know we're weird, so they, they like it. But yeah, it's when you look at cards, when you look at tabletop, they're all controlled by these major corps. And they, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to rely on them to care about you to even get you the product to sell for them. <laughs> well, so, yeah. Um, I'm going to condense. Uh, we got some other questions from from another listener, Instawin. No, no, no. Um, going to condense a few of his because they all kind of sort of blend together. But what impact have you seen from? And I'm going to kind of lump these all as technology dependent things. Things like VTTs, 3D printing. 
you know, drive through Kickstarter, what, what sort of impact have you seen the rise of those make on your business? Well, so prime example, um, we were talking about IPR. They do digital distribution. Um, I believe, I can't remember who started IPR. Was it, was it evil hat? I don't know. I can't remember. I don't, don't quote me to that. I might be wrong. I, I actually want to find that out. I'll do some research. Uh, but long and short, I believe that it benefited a publisher when it launched. I believe that it was to the benefit of a publisher. And that's not even a bad thing because it should. It should benefit someone so that they actually care about it to maintain it, right? The big thing is, though, is I buy books at a fair margin from them. They sell books at a fair margin. They sell PDFs at a fair margin. So technology on one hand is terrifying. You have these virtual tabletop solutions that they kind of dive in to being a let's get rid of the game store. Let's get rid of the kitchen table. Let's get rid of all this. What I have found is a massive amount of technological adoption and adaptation still at the tabletop level. People will take virtual tabletops. They will take roll 20s. They will take all of the whatever they're using and they'll put a monitor on a table on its on its back. Mm -hmm. I've seen many game tables built that way with a TV built right in the center. Yeah, I've built them. They're amazing. Like, I want to build another one for here. It's awesome. So I don't think that they represent an inherent negative to it. I think the thing you have to consider, though, is willingness to adapt to an ever-evolving technology, right? So prime example, uh, we bring up bits and mortar again. Like, that's a great way to adapt to a changing technology, right? I, it's much easier to read a, a good indexed and, like, like bookmarked. Yeah, like pages that are actually hyperlinked in there. We yes. like, I need to go to that page. Like uh, table of contents. That was the word. I was like, what? I'm like, uh, books. I, do, I sell books. I don't even remember how books work. Because digital, because, well, that's just it. We are so digital now. You start to forget like the simple things because of convenience. But bits and, mortar is a prime, bits and Mortar is a prime example of something that's really useful in that space. You can come in and buy a physical book. And if it's a partnered product, well, I can send you a good, well-produced PDF that you can put on your, your iPad or, or your tablet or your computer or whatever. That is an example of a good technological adaptation that I think is really good for game stores because it's built for game store owners and, and runners to use to, to create convenience for the customer. It's amazing. And then same idea with the, the virtual tabletops. Instead of ra like railing against them and freaking out that they exist, integrate them into the... Even if you do it at the store level, we put monitors... You can grab a monitor and put it even on a gimbal when you play an RPG. You can spin around and be like, here's your map. Here's where you are right here. So you can integrate this tech and still be doing it at the table in a way that doesn't negate the experience and, and can, in my, in my opinion at least, improve it dramatically, especially because I, I, I have noticed that there's a huge, uh, there's been a bit of a downfall to the whole theater of the mind style of uh, RPG running. I don't know if you have the same experience or not. It used to be you could describe a scene and people would talk about what was happening in the scene and rarely did it ever have to, it never even had to hit graph paper or, or, or wet marker or anything like that. You would just talk about what's happening. And while I think that that's a bit of a lost art or at least a, a dying art, I think the ease of generating visual content is so in favor of the end user now that you can still do it in a way that's flashy and visual. And it now allows you to for lack of a better word, if you're writing your session, it's your product and you can now elevate your product in some cases for free. Like there are sites that do the virtual tabletop thing for free. Like uh, Albert Rodeo is one that I've tried mm -hmm. out. It's neat. Like um, 
Uh, Multiverse is another one that's like very different stylistically, but does the same thing. It's free to use. So you have, and, and again, even kudos to 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 D and D Beyond, uh, or for to Watsi, they bought D and D Beyond and turned it into a really good digital ecosystem. I can have my iPad here and scroll up, and I can literally pull up my characters' character sheets on the fly. I can see where they're at. I can see what their health is. I can generate content based in the moment. I can slip items into their inventory without them even knowing it just all from a really useful workstation so it's nice i like the technology implementation i think it's great if your store is willing to adapt this is where i may i don't i I can't speak for your average listener i love change in tabletop i think it's great i think adapting changing doing new things is awesome again back to 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 give the frustrating amount of credit to wizards I love the mechanics of 5th edition D20. I think they're great. I think they're I think doing things like it like rolling for advantage and simplifying absolute values for skill checks is brilliant and mechanically the same, but just simplified in a way that makes it easier to play. And I come from character folios where you do dive into the minutia of stuff. I love minutia, but I also love being able to generate a a campaign in 10 minutes as opposed to 10 hours or a session in 10 minutes as opposed to 10 hours, especially when you work like I work, which is stupid. Uh, and I think you guys work dumb too. If you're anything like me, being able to generate content fast and, and still be visual and still be interactive and still be the tabletop experience is, is amazing. And that's what's depressing is when you can't because it's hard to, to, to play something. Uh, and everybody's used to digital technology. Everybody is used to technology now before I'd have been irritated if someone had a laptop at my table because they're, they're, they're clicking around and they're looking at the computer and they're not really paying attention to the game. So they're, they're wasting these great role play moments or they're, they're missing their turn and in initiative. That's not the case anymore, though. Everybody has become so well-versed in the technology that they're probably more attentive than I am because I'm like really ADHD. And so they're like, well, it's, wait, it's his turn now. We have to go. And I'm just like, they're paying attention. They're doing better. They know exactly where they're at in the round. They know exactly how much health is left on the field. I'm like, so it's just different. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it's good and technology is good. And virtual tabletop, I think, represents a great thing for in-store if you're not afraid of it or mm-hmm. wor- worried that it's coming for you, so to speak. Because a lot of times it does feel like it is. Just bring it in. Adapt it to what you need. Fair enough. I don't know. All right. That was, that was you want to do? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I wanted your opinion. So it sounds like I got a lot of it. <laughs> Hey, listen. You, you you asked. I you told me to show up. I showed up. I'm sorry. No, so you, I'm, you've they've done done great. So, all right. You you've hit it around. Take a couple minutes to give you know the name of your shop where people can find it. You have avoided thus such far, and I can tell you're still at work or already at work, whatever the case may be. So, correct. Uh, so I own uh, a shop called Retrograde Gaming and Collectibles. Uh, we're based out of Monroeville, PA, which is effectively Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh is a conglomeration of about a thousand towns. Uh, we're 10 minutes, 15 minutes from downtown if traffic's on your side. We do, we literally do. We specialize in video games and I tell everybody we've, we, we emphasize escapism because we carry everything from tabletop RPGs to board games to retro video games to modern video games and gaming is the thing. We have some toys, but essentially everything we do is about avoiding reality in a, in, in a good way. Uh, not in a I should take a vacation to the psych ward way. Uh, that's a different conversation that we should have one day. But uh, 
the long and short of it is I do think actually that 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 gaming is important. So we uh, we try to make sure we carry all, all manner of gaming. But yeah, it's a uh, retro. You can find us literally at retrograde dot games. Like like the astrology term, like Mercury is in retrograde. That's the name of the business. Uh, unrelated retrograde has an archaic meaning, which just means to go back to go back to a different point in time. And that that was the entire guiding principle for developing it was a uh, be a kid again and and not worry about the misery of existence because it's it can be miserable uh it's been a work week already and i think it's only tuesday second monday is only second for you you're doing great it's been a very long month this week <laughs> well i hear that i hear that but yeah that was uh we wanted to we wanted to make it so like hey like go go back in time go back to a, a different point in history and just get away from the rigor of existence as it stands right now. So we use the the antiquated, uh, the archaic and out of out of use version of retrograde to make it up. Also, just a cool word. It's a really good word for branding. It's one word, which is also the depressing truth of it. If you make your if you make your game store name something weird, people can't figure out what it is. <laughs> so we're like, we want one, we want to keep it simple because and it's true. Like I mean, we uh, so retrograde.games, We do all sorts of stuff. We run events and stores we are working on getting scheduled regimented content back into the shop this doesn't even get started on like the fact that for the past eight months i've been fighting with a landlord to repair things so we can have our events back uh that was a bit of a, of a nightmare but we i i believe that tomorrow you can keep this off the record if you want tomorrow at 2 p.m they're finally sending in a contractor to fix our ceiling the roof is done now they're going to repair the ceiling so we'll have our lights back and they'll they're going to clean it up and fix the tiles and everything. It's ridiculous how long I have been fighting this fight because we lost two major fighting game events, like launches of these games. We would have had monthly events, including them. We lost two game launches entirely. That's how long this has been going on, which is very bad for business, mm -hmm. if you would believe. Uh, but yeah, so we're, we should be back to normal very soon. I'm, I'm very thankful. If we want to know what we're thankful for this time of year, it's that I can open my business and in 2024 without panicking again, hopefully. <laughs> so that's, dude, it's absurd. But yeah, the, um, yeah. So yeah, uh, it's, yeah, I, it's a game store. We are literally, I refer to the store slogan-wise as the, the store so indie it kind of sucks. And I will stand by that until the day I die. And if we don't kind of suck, I'm going to make it suck worse on purpose just to keep it a little less corporate. Fair enough. Yeah, I'll, I'll dirty up the floor a little bit more. We'll break a wall. We'll smash a light. We'll make it suck, kinda, uh, to ensure we maintain our, uh, our style as the most mom-and-pop store possible. Well, I will volunteer to come help you break things. I'm good at that. Fantastic. I can't wait. But yeah, no, we, uh, I, like I said, you've been here. I want to get, get, I'd love to get a game on again in the future where just we have games again. I have a lot of people asking, when are you bringing Tabletop in? When are you doing demos again? And I, I think we're, we're about to start being able to do it. So I am so pumped up. Because I miss having noise in here. Like, it's been kind of eerie and quiet. Like, we'll get customers in, they'll buy something. But it's like, I want to hear somebody doing a weird voice and talking like an orc and getting mad. We didn't even get to do our extra life this year, which broke my heart. Because we did that last year, but... Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, and then it... But my water heater blew up the next day after extra life last year. That's what kind of started the downhill trend of everything going wrong. Uh, so, yeah, but that's... Next year, we'll be back. We'll be raising money for charity. We'll be hopefully doing some geeky stuff in store as we get through the holidays, because I didn't do this. I didn't start this job to be quiet. It's weird. <laughs> I don't like that. 
but yeah, we're off the we're off the beaten path in uh, in Monroeville, PA. We're not on the main drag. We found a cheap business to have a bigger store with a lot more parking. This is the smartest decision I could make because I was able to survive COVID paying the rent without being open. <laughs> I'll take I'll take a cheap store over uh over uh over anything else compared to that. But no, the um yeah, and I, I appreciate you uh giving me the shot to talk about it. I'm not I, actually it's weird. I'm a, I, for being a person who does marketing and promotion for a convention and coming from marketing and design and all of those things, I hate promoting. Despite that being the uh, the thing that I know the most about is marketing. I really would prefer to be like, hey, I own a game store. You should check it out. Than ever be like, you should come to my game store. We've got all of these things. Because if you come here, you'll be disappointed. Our, like, I'm, I'm terrified, right? Like, we have really good reviews, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that scares the shit out of me. Because I can never do bad now. I can never have an off day. Like, I'm terrified that if I have an off day, it'll lower my number, right? Here's a little anecdote that broke my heart. And I'll, uh, I'll send you the review. Um, I had a woman come in the store probably a month ago now, maybe a month and a half ago now. Um, she's the first time she was ever in here. Uh, she had been having just a t- like work sucked. I think she just she was, had a death in the family that she was like, it was around the anniversary of like everything. Just she was miserable, right? So she wasn't going on doing it. And her friend drug her out and she came here. I do not know this friend. I do not know this person. Uh, I do now. I didn't then. Uh, so she comes in. She was very shy. She was and she even like behind a mask. So I got no facial expression. I got no feedback. Uh, so she comes in. I had a couple people in helping me do some organization in the store because we're cleaning up like constantly because of the damage. And uh, so she comes in and she just asks some questions. And I'm unhinged. And because I just can't. Everything is hilarious to me. I have to be weird at all times. So she comes in, she's like, this C-3PO thing that you have on the table up here. She's like, what is this? And I'm like, it's for holding toys. It's broken. I'm like, do you like it? She's like, I love it. I'm like, you can have it. Because I was about to throw it away. Because it's busted. And she was like, what? I'm like, just take it. Seriously, I do not want it. It's yours. And she's like, I can use this. This is amazing. She's like, I can use this for like, because I think she's a teacher. She's like, I can use this for like to store some of the kids stuff. She's like, they'll love this. I'm like, amazing. I'm like, I'm so happy that I can help you. Again, I'm insane. So the whole time this is happening, I'm also talking to my other slightly like ADHD employees and helpers. And so I'm kind of splitting my attention. Right. But at one point in time, she goes to walk out and she sees that there's another thing on the table. She's like, oh, that sign's really cool. And I'm like, you're never going to believe me. You can have that, too. I'm throwing it away. It's yours because it was a sign that was just stolen art that somebody like traded in one day. Like they, they took like art from like I think it was Overwatch printed it on canvas, had it made on the, like, it wasn't, it wasn't real. So I was like, I can't really sell that. No one's going to want it. It's all faded and stuff. She was like, she's like, wait, I can have it. I'm like, yes. She's like, I haven't spent any money today. I was like, I don't care. You took trash out for me. This is even better. That's one less thing I have to take care of. So as she's leaving, I just yell at her. I was like, Hey, she's like, this is so nice. I was like, she's like, can I do anything? I was like, just like leave a review. I like, honestly, I don't even care what you say. Like, it would be cool if you leave a review and just be like, this place sucks. You can even say, like, this place sucks. It's awful. But, like, give us five stars when you do it. So she gives us this review. What I wasn't ready for is I figured, oh, I'd just make her laugh. I'd never hear from her again. I get paragraphs of a review explaining how this is the best experience that she has ever had in a store, how she's been having the worst time of her life, and how this is the first time she has ever entered a gaming store. And this is important, I think. Whereas a woman, this is the first time she has entered a local game store and felt safe and felt that the place wasn't gatekeepy 
and judgmental and hard to shop in. And it sucked because I'm soft as a person, right? Like I'm a very emotional person because that's why I started a store like this is because I do think gaming is for everyone and it should be for everyone at all times. And so I literally thought that I was just making a person laugh. And then I had to reckon with the fact that I made a difference to someone. She's now been in several times. She's offered to help work here, like to volunteer to help out. I am terrified of that responsibility to, to, to customers, right? Hence why I'm always weird and silly and so gaming sucks. But even my curmudgeonly nature is starting to like break and not work anymore. And so our reviews are good. And I can never give a bad experience because even when I try to give a bad experience or a weird experience or an unsettling experience, we still make someone's time. And that's why I can't just like, I want to shut this damn business down so bad and I can never leave. Every time I'm like, I can finally get a real job. I can't because uh, it turns out people in the community really like these places. And that's why I hate Watsy. Because <laughs> they don't give, they don't care about the community or these places, but the community does. Uh, so the, the long and short of it is, uh, yeah, that's the ether. I guess you could, that's what you can call this episode. Um, I feel bad though because that is it, it makes it bums me out because I'm I'm terrified of doing bad for the public because the public seems like they actually like these stores, these stores, these these places to game and be weird and be who you are and be. You know, a lot of people like to decry the fresh, like the the verbiage of a safe space or like uh, uh, things of that nature. But like, that's what this hobby always was. It was your Isle of Misfit toys for your social outcasts. It was their way to do escapism. It was their way to do to be somebody maybe they weren't or to just do something fun in a social setting that might have saved lives. You know what I mean? And so to me, the guiding principle for any place like this existing is to be good to people. And uh, that's the part that is depressing because like, I can't even like, we have to work very hard to make sure that these stores stay open and it feels like we're, our own industry is fighting us. Mm -hmm. So eh, that's why I diversify my product. That's why we sell video games. That's why we sell toys. That's why we sell pop culture artifacts and other assorted weirdness because I can't sell D&D. It won't make me any money. I didn't even see what that was. That's that uh, Demon Hunter figurine that I got from you a couple years. Actually, the, from the last year's. Oh, the Extra Life raffle. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, we ended up giving away more products that time because I felt like we didn't give enough out because I'm a lunatic. It was like, ah, this is not enough. We got to get more money for charity, <laughs> uh, which we, we do. We support Extra Life, which is um, Children's Miracle Network, and it's a gaming-based charity for that. So I like, we, again, we probably could. We could probably be making a lot more money if I wasn't such a, uh, such a softy, but... I'd rather be. I think that attitude and that—that's why people come back to the store, right? That it's. I know. Okay, yeah. I so, so you didn't make five bucks this time, but I come back six times and you make a buck each time, so you do win in the end. If I was a cynical person, I would say that that was my intention because I joke that that's how I do it. I was like, "Listen, you'll never forget me. Uh, you'll always be back." Uh, but it's never the truth of it. Is I think I just I think I want to be liked as a person. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just like, I'll just be nice. It'll be fine. <laughs> and, and it works. Surprising how well that actually does work in life, though. It's crazy, right? Like, I just treat people with respect and decency, and it's crazy that they will keep coming back. It's like, how did you do that? Uh, but no, yeah, it's, uh, well, let's just say, like, you, you came in the one time I met you at the, at the show after the podcast, mm -hmm. and then I, now I can't get rid of you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I, don't get to see, I don't get to see Steve enough, but, you know, when I do, it's always a blast. Now, you well, also live way more rural. 
and yeah, way more far I'm, away. I'm out there, out in the sticks. Yep. But even then, like, because I, I think your local shop is is Go Gamer, right? Yep. Yep. And, and so, I, but even like, I know Marius. Like, he's yeah, the dude who I'm runs that. He's good, a good dude. Good friends like, with him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can sit here and be like, I love that store too. I want him to do well. Like even other oh, yeah. stores that are effectively competitors, I want them to be killing it too. It's important, I think. Uh, that's why we did the convention. It's the same idea. You can even see like some of these weird like, hey, let's treat everybody really well philosophies in PGX. You know, and and we're all very different people who run that. The the three of us who run that, and like. But one of our guiding things is like, hey, we should try to build a community before we rely on profitability. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's always been more important to... I made a joke when I started, uh, when we started doing PGX the first year, was that there was a slogan that I said that made me laugh so bad because I'm like, this is disgusting. I hate it. It sounds like such like, like corporate Memphis, like BS corporate speak, which is gaming... What did I say? It's like gaming is the universal language. Like what, what did I say? The most important thing is the universal language of play, right? That's a very stupid sentence until I can't get it out of my head and realize that I, it's 1000% everything I believe in. Because I have, I have seen people who in the streets or in, 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 in ideological spaces hate each other. They hate each other. You know, they, they, we're talking politically, we're talking identity, we're talking religion, doesn't matter. They do not get along. But I've seen them coexist in a space where gaming is happening and agree that they hate one character the same way in a video game, that they find one particular character the same level of annoying, and then they have a conversation where they're both on the same page. They both agree. And they may not love each other when they leave the store, but in that blessed moment, they are aligned. And I find that if we are ever going to bridge any cultural divides, gaming might be the reason it happens, or at least the notion of the fact that every single society on earth has some form of play. Everyone, whether it's a small toy, whether it's video games, whether it's tabletop, whether it's board games, whether it's cards, it doesn't matter. Hell, whether it's hide and seek, everyone plays. It is the most, aside from music, it is one of the most universal things that exists as a social communication. Uh, and so as much as I joked, I was like, oh, this feels like BS corporate speak. Why did I write that? I love it so much it hurts. It is an absurdly good philosophy or, or, or moniker, whatever you want to call it. It is a good way to think about gaming because this is important. And whether it's important or not, I'm going to say it is because that's how I pay my bills. <laughs> no, but seriously, it's, I, I do. I do think it's very important that we all game more and more and more because if we're gaming we're too distracted from the things that make us miserable escapism's great as long as you don't lose yourself to it yeah so you know it's things suck and tabletop is cheap it's an initial investment but then it's pretty much infinite after that well because you can always stop after just one or two books yeah once you know the rules you can just make stuff up so your 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 tabletop sessions could go on forever so long as you all agree you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, gaming's cool. Uh, what's this podcast about? Gaming? This is about it's about gaming, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's about cars. Oh, oh I yeah, got well, that, that way wrong. My too, bad. But yeah, <laughs> we've we've had those those conversations. Yeah, I, I apologize. I'm sorry. I th- oh, I thought this. Oh, oh, it's about soap. It's about cars. I, I screwed yeah, up. That's my yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, hygiene. My. Hygiene. Hygiene. <laughs> Hello, Gene. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> 
but no, the uh, yeah, so that was fun to do that. And then, then yeah, the um, so yeah, never own a business. It's a stupid idea. <laughs> I regret it so so much. <laughs> no, uh, eight years. Yeah, it'll be eight years if it's not already. I'm exhausted. I'm gonna do this for another thirty. I think. <laughs> I joked because I started it when I was twenty seven, twenty eight, and I said, you know what? That was the move, right? I'm young. I I joked that I retired. My wife has a good job. I'm very lucky. Uh, but this is what I would have done in my retirement years, right? Like I would have run a store like this. Well, I figured I'll do it while I'm young. That way I can work all the kinks out early so that I don't have to stress when I'm old and retired, but I can just do it. It'll be, it'll run itself. I can just show up. So I'm retired. That's how I look at it. <laughs> my 401k is destroyed, but the economy will collapse before we get there anyway. I'm sure. <laughs> Hopefully not. Don't scare anybody, but you know, I'm just saying, but no, the, uh, Again, I, I if we if, if if we go a little off topic for a second, I apologize. Again, I I apologize for the run on and ramble. Like this is I didn't realize that this was actually a thing I was passionate about. You tricked well, me. Well, you tricked <laughs> me. I thought this was going to be simple. The, the, this may be the least I've spoken in an episode in a very long time. Yeah, <laughs> that's not what I wanted. Well, here's the thing though: your edit's going to suck. No, one. I just I'll just hit both my our tracks and like delete them and just upload <laughs> yours. <laughs> That'll be disjointed and weird. Well, avant, little avant-garde strangeness. No, the uh, yeah, I feel bad because the um, turns out this is a really shitty topic, and I didn't think about it. But yeah, it is actually really like you'll have stores that can do the game store thing really well, but like they've had the benefit of entering the space well before any of these problems existed, and they've been able to last this whole time because like they just have regularity, right? Mm-hmm. To enter into this space late is exhausting. Because it's dumb how everybody you work with treats you. Like, I know people who, who, who've existed long enough that they have grandfathered rates for their margin. <sighs> or their shipping costs or things of that nature. Like, they have to honor an old contract because the shop never shut down. So the contract is still active. Whereas if you come into it late, you're like, oh, you want free shipping? You have to spend $3,000. And I'm like, but I'm like, if I spend $3,000, my margin comes out to like, with the margin, I make $5,000. And then by the time I pay my employee... By the time I pay my rent, by the time I pay my, you know, Christ, I don't get a salary at this point. Like, by the time I do anything, including buying the next batch of product, where did that money go? That's a terrible margin. And uh, so, so a lot of it is, I, I think last time I checked, I think it's very easy for it to be 40% margins or less for tabletop stuff. It sounds like a lot until you really crunch the numbers and go, oh, no, no, real estate is expensive. Staffing is expensive. Lights are expensive. Gas to get to work is expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like you, you definitely get like it's a strange picture to paint because yeah, it's it kind of sucks because it should be easy because it's a cheap product, but then you need to sell a lot more of it. Like I don't know, yeah, the uh, I, I I even medicated before this talk too to ensure that I didn't run on as bad as I should as I normally would, and uh, my bad. That's okay. We're approaching Jay Little territory. That's all. Yes. Is that good <laughs> or bad? This is our longest episode to date. Well, congratulations. <laughs> But it, just, just cut it into pieces. You get two episodes out of it. <laughs> it's going to be hard enough to follow in one. I was... All right, you're probably right. <laughs> Look, it's, it's, we're involved, you know. Hey, I wish... You can, you can tell me to shut up anytime, I promise. <laughs> I'll, I'll only just keep talking. Oh, my. There edit is, it what, like a... Edit it like a TikTok Call of Duty edit. Just insert be, random sound effects periodically. Cut to different pieces no, of the same content. Harsh, harsh cuts, yeah, you'd have to. The uh, what? Well, it, it's weird because like 
there's more of the the problem that I'm running into, right? Like this, there's more of this that I actually would like to go into detail on. You, it's exhausting though. It's so much like to talk about the margins of it, to talk about like the allocation of it. That's boring, right? Like it's boring at the end of the day. Like I do it for a living. I want to die, right? It's horrible. I even reading it when I'm done talking to you and I go look at my accounting, I'm going to scream into the nothing of my existence, right? Talk about it. I love to talk about it, but this will be your least listened to episode ever too. Trust me. <laughs> I'll be like, damn, he said a lot of numbers. What? What? <laughs> so like, you got to jump around a little, keep it weird. Um, but no, like there is, there's my new, like, it's like tabletop, right? There's like stupid minutia that is so frustrating about this that you can't even get into because like no one's going to get it unless they do it. But it's, and it's hard to explain from an outsider's perspective. I think I did it as close as I could. Um, no, I think you did well. But yeah, like it's uh, this. Here's the thing. I literally had, I've had a friend of mine who started a store. He just opened a store up in uh, Bellevue. God, last week or the week before. Mm-hmm. And uh, he asked me before he opened, he's like, what advice would you give? I was like, don't, don't do it. It's the worst decision you will ever make. However, if you are going to do it anyway, because you're a certain kind of stupid, you're the best person for the job because of your philosophy on actually doing this stuff. And, uh, he took it as a compliment, which he was supposed to. So I'm glad that worked. Uh, but it's true. Like you, this requires a degree of like self-loathing, like heretofore unheard of. Like you do this because you, you have to do this because you want to build a community. You cannot do this because you want to make money. I think, unless I'm doing it all wrong, which is possible. I mean, I'm not a genius or anything, but like, I'm still here. I think that means something mm-hmm. like, I don't know. But yeah, no, I, uh, I just hope we build a community. That's all. That's one of the things I even talked to, 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 to Steve about is like community is everything like build events, build something that people want to be part of. And then it just kind of like runs itself. I have people who will show up and just start working. You know, how weird that is. They'll be like, Oh, is this in the system yet? I'll be like, yeah, they'll be like, you want me to start cleaning it? I was like, you don't work here. They're like, yeah, but we can help. We like it. I'm like, I'll buy pizza, I guess. Get to work. Like, I try not to say it. Like, they just do it. I can't even control it. Like, I literally had uh, uh, someone come in and was like, hey, you have like a, a, a leak in your bathroom. They're like, I tightened it. And I cleaned it up. And I'm like, what the, what are you, what happened? Well, it's not a problem now. The community is so rad. I don't even get to see a lot of the downsides of it sometimes. Or like the downsides I see are strictly like with the, the major corporation stuff. But yeah, no, it's just, it's neat to... I feel bad that I talked too much, is all I'm saying, as I continue to talk more, especially knowing, God, you, did you guys get up early for work? I get up at four. I was up at like normal hours, but... I don't go to bed till like eight in the morning. <laughs> my wife, so Cheyenne, uh, you've met Cheyenne, I think. Have both of you met my wife? I have. I haven't. Okay. Cheyenne, my wife, she's an RN. She works overnights because she is also a weirdo. And so I'm like, most of our customers don't even come in till after five, so... And then even my other employee, he is, um, this isn't even, I don't, not even disparaging. He's, he's autistic. And so, and there is a neurodivergent tendency to like get more done at like on off hours because it's free of distraction. So I looked at him, I was like, do you want to come in and we'll push the shifts late? So I think he comes in now like two to midnight, three days a week. And then I just work here overnight and it's just like, cause then I'll do all the shipping, do all the bookkeeping and all of that. And, uh, it's wild though. Doing, working at night, I just, just by leaning into my wife's schedule, I've I got a lot more work done. It's weird. And I don't have to answer my phone during the day. <laughs> That's the big one. But no, the, um, yeah, well, uh, the, and how do we wrap this up so that I can let you guys actually live your life? What well, do you know? 
it's up to you, Steve. Do you still want to do game of the week or do you want to just I, wrap into the ending? You know what? We're at almost two hours. Let's just go right into the ending. Okay. Yeah. Let's just in, in interest of time and, and everything, we'll, we'll not do game of the week this week. I don't even like gaming. Then you can make that the joke of it, right? Like, well, he said he hates gaming. So yep. Alex hates games. No game of the week. No game of the week. Worst gaming guest ever. <laughs> well, Thank you so much for coming on, Alex, and giving us a fantastic podcast this week, celebrating 150 episodes with us. 150 minutes of nonsense. <laughs> Happy to help. Um, <laughs> as always, links to everything mentioned are in the show notes. Uh, we have a Facebook. We have a Discord. We have a Patreon. Give us a like, follow. At uh, it, it, the very worst, go to iTunes and give us a rating. It helps get us to other people. So. With all that being said, I want to remind everyone to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at andrpgs. Find us on Facebook at meandsteverpgpodcast. On Discord at meandsteverpgs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you, and be kind to one another. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. I'm so I could have easily talked for another two hours. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, like it was good. I didn't ex- like. I should have known better because of the conversations that you have. I have had on multiple occasions. You've met me. You should know. <laughs> <laughs>